What is false? And you're listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, 97.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz, and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Stay tuned next for Cover to Cover with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy, it's a rule I learned in school, get your money every Friday, happy endings are the rule, so divide up. In darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows out of sight. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is the first day of December 2015. Jingle bells. There's a crafts fair on December the 19th and 20th, a benefit for KPFA. You're going to hear more about that. I thought I'd try to make it this year, but I'm not sure. 10 a.m. to 5, Cranway Pavilion, Richmond Waterfall. Front. Oh, I guess maybe I could go and buy some socks. Anyway, uh, I I got kind of uh, turned around this morning, and I thought I had the news straight. I'm still not sure um, whether Elizabeth Warren, the senator from Massachusetts, has endorsed Hillary Clinton. Apparently not. Uh, you know, uh, the other women are endorsing Hillary as the Democratic candidate for president in uh, 2016. I guess most of us know why Senator Warren has reservations about HRC. I like to call Hillary HRC, Hillary Rodham Clinton. Um, Of course, Senator Warren... uh, her ideas are closer to Bernie Sanders, and uh, I, I guess she hasn't endorsed him either. So, uh, I guess I'm going to hope that she will consider the alternatives, uh, you know, in national election. You remember, you know, wake up in the morning and find out, oh, God, remember the remember the last time. Anyway, uh I'm going to send Elizabeth Warren my New Yorker cartoon. It's a uh, it's a shot of the uh, of Congress, the uh, the big one, you know, in Washington D.C. And across the front, it is draped in the great big slogan: "Politics is the art of the possible." Now, they told me that in the eighth grade, but um, I think it's still hard for some of us. We just want the right thing instead of the uh, 
the least awful thing. Anyway, many of Senator Warren's admirers uh, had hoped that she would make a run for the nomination, but that that's gone. That chance is gone this time. So I just think it's exciting to know that 13 women senators are endorsing Hillary Clinton. That's all of the women senators, except for Elizabeth Warren. Uh, I'm sure we'll hear more about this soon. Uh, I just enjoy the notion of 13 women in a group. I think that's a coven, right? A coven. (laughs) 13 is a magical number for women. An old uh, calendar, an ancient calendar, had 13 months. You know how that is. Every 28 days, girls. That was back in the day when the feminine principle was the order of the day. You know, women counted, as they say. In France, during the revolution, the revolution in the late 18th century, there was a a movement to restore the old calendar, that old... uh, measurement uh, of course didn't succeed I remember there was a movie that uh, taught me that I can't remember the word the movie was titled uh, I, I keep thinking Meridian could that be it is that the name of that ancient calendar uh, anyway the calendar refers to the natural laws um, I'm sure somebody knows that and they will let me know The film was a drama, uh, kind of tragic, about two young women struggling, struggling for their independence. Uh, Their struggle, of course, takes place in the present day, so it's doomed to failure. Very few young women can actually run away, run away from home in today's patriarchal world order. Well, anyway... uh, Ah, it's a man's world, you know, they can run, but they can't. I, damn, I did it again. I have been telling myself to cease all references to what's wrong. We all know what's wrong. Hell's bells. Ah, look on the bright side. Women now hold almost 13% of the elected offices on earth today. Can't complain. 13. In France, of course, they uh, promised 50%, remember, uh, liberté, égalité, fraternité. The president said that this morning. God bless him. Anyway, it's December, and uh, I had planned to talk about Christmas on account of people who are, are out buying presents. You know, I love to talk about children's books. Uh, I I have to get caught up on the new ones. There are a whole bunch of new ones that are wonderful, but uh, at at my age, I get nostalgic. Uh, When I hit the bookstores for presents, I always buy at least one copy of Ferdinand the Bull. In past years, I have read that. Well, maybe I will read Ferdinand the Bull. I have one more spot. Uh, the Tuesday before Christmas. I'll think about it. It's that 
wonderful children's story uh, by Monroe Leaf. Uh, it's that book that was, well, it was banned. It was, would you believe, uh, in Germany. Here's a note by the author's wife. Uh, she says that this innocent bull, you remember the bull, he wouldn't fight, but he sat on a bee and he went running around hollering and the talent scouts for the bullfight saw him and they took him to Madrid and he wouldn't fight, just wouldn't do it. Anyway, here's what uh, uh, Monroe Leaf's wife, Margaret Leaf, says. Uh, she said, well, they, they tried to stall for a while because the Spanish Civil War just broken out in 1936. Um, she says, this innocent bull was branded a communist and an anarchist. There was a special burning in Germany where the book was labeled, quote, degenerate democratic propaganda. Articles about the bull appeared in the New Yorker Life. Look, Monroe, the author, was attacked in the Cleveland Plain Dealer for subverting the children of America. <laughs> anyway, she goes on to talk about the millions and millions of copies this little book sold and how it uh, nudged Gone with the Wind off the top of the bestseller lists in 1938. Now, how about that? Uh, I just loved that story when my children were little. There's a new book, uh, nothing, nothing like, of course, a Disney version called Ferdinand and the Bullies. Someone sent it to me. It was a little... Uh, first reader book in the schools and it showed Ferdinand standing up to the bullies the bully bulls I guess somebody just couldn't bear having a story about a little male who wouldn't fight anyway uh, I guess I guess this generation can can use this sort of thing I, I'm sure there's plenty of to call that uh, <laughs> I don't want to say Pollyanna or do-gooder I'm sure there's plenty of stories now about how to be a nice person and how not to beat up your neighbors but Ferdinand just I don't know I think it was the pictures and of course you remember if you've seen the book there's always a picture of Ferdinand smelling the flowers in the lovely lady's hair there in the bow ring and he sits out under his favorite cork tree. There's a tree with little corks hanging down. My mother told me that that meant that he was mellow and quiet because he occasionally drank some wine that the corks were from the wine bottle. Other people told me, well, uh, Ferdinand was just stoned, you know, stoned anyway. Uh, I'm sure to find a little boy or a little girl who doesn't have that book. And uh, I guess I'll just gift it. I'll gift it one more last time. I think today I'm stuck with, uh, call that, uh, 
next week I I'll be gone. Two Tuesdays it says here I am going to be among the missing. It's a fundraiser. I hope you will all call up and uh uh give your what is that? Give your last dime to KPFA. So I said I won't be back until the Tuesday before Christmas. Uh I do have a list of socialist books. I'll look it over again. Uh, and then when I do come back, I'll see if there's one that's really special. Uh, my choices are eclectic, definitely. I always include the A.A. A. Milne stuff, you know. Now We Are Six is the first collection of poetry that I read to my children. You remember it was about birthdays. <laughs> birthdays uh, Woody Allen is 80 today folks anyway A.A. A. Milne's poems Now We Are Sixth begins with a, a little boy Christopher Robin's sixth birthday I will give you this one because it's only a few lines he says when I was one I'd just begun when I was two I was nearly new when I was three, I was hardly me. When I was four, I was not much more. When I was five, I was hardly alive. But now I'm six, so I guess I'll just stay six forever and ever. <laughs> I, uh, I taught that to my children, and I think they can still recite it, but I couldn't swear to it anyway. My list includes the the uh, classics, you know, James M. Berry's Peter Pan and the Beatrix Potter books. I think I like those because they're so little, you know. There's a whole series, a whole shelf full, beginning with Peter Rabbit and Flopsy and Mopsy and all that good stuff. Be sure you get the originals if you buy a Beatrix Potter book. I see so many knockoffs. They don't just change all the pictures. Of course, her pictures are... Uh, the what is it? The special charm of those books, like yes, Two Bad Mice used to be my favorite. Anyway, the uh, the the text, the text itself has been rewritten. Uh, once again, that's Disney esque. You know, uh, as soon as the as soon as the copyright law runs out, people grab these wonderful, wonderful books and rewrite them uh, I think of Hans Christian Andersen's The Little Mermaid it's an incredible novella I guess long long short story uh, I did read it most of it once here on the air I think it was when British Petroleum had blown up the Gulf and I thought of what life was like at the bottom of the sea and I think the uh, the storybooks about the Little Mermaid I think you can just dismiss out of hand there's nothing there uh, it's a long long story about masochism and about a little girl who uh, loves a prince and when she can't get the prince she has to settle for uh, having what is that a soul. They give her a Christian soul in the end. And 
that beats romantic love. How about that for masochism? Anyway, uh, my favorite illustrations are always by Arthur Rackham. I must get some more of those. I have one collection of Arthur Rackham's beautiful drawings. I don't know. I wonder why it is that still pictures stay glued to the brain and the uh, motion pictures. No, I can remember. Oh, maybe, maybe a few. Um, I guess the Disney. Yes, Disney's Fantasia. I do remember a few scenes in that movie. I had to take my little brother out because he was terrified by all of those souls, you know, the dead souls there in Fantasia. Uh, I th- that was just a chance for children to listen to classical music. Anyway, uh, I went through the Oz books the other day, and there's lots of 1930s political political satire, well, just politics woven into the uh, Oz books. I think of P.L. Travers, Mary Poppins books. Not sure that those are popular anymore. I guess because the movie, the movie is pretty much, pretty much taken over. Uh, the books are so, how what's the word? Piquant? Quaint? Nuts? <laughs> Mary Poppins is a, uh, Well, she's a witch, but she's a good witch. Very good. Uh, And as you know, there are scores and scores of new picture books. Uh, I still get the old ones, Maurice Sendak's books. Uh, Where the Wild Things Are was my first experience with Maurice Sendak. He's got some new books now that are... Pretty grim, the one about the homeless, and then there's one that's the basis for an opera. It is an opera now. It's about the children, the children in the concentration camps in World War II. The children put on a show. Anyway, I I guess that one was too hard for me to take. Uh, there's a collection of books by Margaret Wise Brown. Uh, These books are for the very, very young. Uh, They teach reading readiness, really. Um, The classic Goodnight Moon is the first one most people buy. Uh, There are scores more. When Margaret Wise Brown died, they found in her desk uh, narratives and bits and pieces for Lots more books. Uh, That reading readiness is very special, folks. It's about words and images. It's like when you go from the general to the specific. You see in Goodnight Moon, you see first a room, and then the next page is a detail of that room. Uh, Like a chair, bowl, some mittens or something. Then you go back to the uh, room, the basic picture. And the child says, oh, yes, now I see the chair, right. And uh, goes back and forth like that. It teaches the children to really examine the page. Uh, And then, of course, there's the mouse. 
<laughs> there's a little white mouse hidden in the room. In the large room that includes everything, there's always a white mouse. And even I couldn't find it in one or two of the pictures until I uh, I checked and checked, you know. Uh, look closely. There he is, eating the porridge or gazing out the window looking at that moon. He's moonstruck. I think that the delight of seeing children find the mouse is... It was my introduction to reading readiness. Uh, I think uh, I think some people today don't use the books for reading. They just seem to use it for decoration, you know, the illustrations. They're kind of short on plot and story. Uh, I think I think the secret of uh, children's books is to use what I call breast reading to start, you know, like breastfeeding. You hold the child at the same time you read the book. That way uh, they get the emotional comfort at the same time. Otherwise, they don't begin to uh, read until they're in school. And school, well, never mind. Uh, Anyway, uh, I have left here some things. Yes, um, I won't be here for the next two Tuesdays, and it's my birthday this weekend, so I'm just going to pick things that I like today. W.B. Yeats, I think. William Butler Yeats, that wonderful man. All the good stuff that I like. Uh, I used to argue with my... English teacher, uh, she didn't think William Butler Yeats was, uh, what is it, was another Shakespeare. She thought he was an Irish romantic, and uh, that was good enough, sort of. But those were the days, 1950s, of T.S. Eliot, Ezra Pound, you know, Eliot's The Wasteland. Actually written by Ezra Pound. Never mind, I loved Thomas Stern's Eliot. He was an Anglophile. He wanted to be a Brit, and he became one. It was the fashion to admire T.S. Eliot. Uh, I think I loved Yeats because my parents loved him so much. Uh, lyric poetry. Once I was reading to the little children at a preschool reading to them from A.A. A. Milne and the teacher came by and she said oh they only like that story that those poems because you like them I said well is that wrong is that so terrible uh, <laughs> anyway I actually used Gertrude Stein with lots of the little kids uh Gertrude Stein wrote that uh, the world is round, 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 and the kids understood that. Is my favorite Gertrude Stein for very young children. I am Rose, my eyes are blue. I am Rose, and who are you? I am Rose, and when I sing, 
I am Rose, like anything. <laughs> One more four-line poem, just because, just because I want to, just because I'm going to be 82 on Saturday, so I get to do whatever I like. This is by Edna St. Vincent Millay. It comes from her collection of few figs from thistles. This is the second fig. Safe upon the solid rock, the ugly houses stand. Come and see my shining palace built upon the sand. You remember the first fig. <laughs> that was the one about the candle burning at both ends. It will not last the night, you know. But all my friends and all my foes, it gives a lovely light. Ah. Ah, yes. I used to say that it was the light between the eyes and the fire between the thighs. My English teacher thought that was a little bit sordid. But anyway, uh, I hope, I hope today that I have time to read you just one, I think I do, just barely, one W.B. Yeats poem. And I'm going to save, save the other nine Yeats poems for another day. Oh, damn. Uh, I should have started with my favorite poetry. Uh, you remember W.B. Yeats at his grave on the limestone. He caused, he had uh, told them, yes, I guess he gave orders. Yes, Yeats' command, it says, the words are cut. This is September the 4th, 1938. That's the year that uh, Ferdinand went off the charts. Anyway, Yeats, uh, the tombstone reads, this is a direct quote, cast a cold eye on life, on death. Horsemen pass by. Now, I think, I think I have just time to read the second coming. Yes, I don't know if that's the right poem to read for Christmas. I don't know. I think I am tempted, tempted, tempted to save it because I have a poem that is a parody of that, that uh, poem, The Second Coming. And I want to save that. I do want to save it. So, I'm going to read a frivolous poem of Yeats called A Last Confession. What lively lad most pleasured me of all that with me lay? I answer that I gave my soul and loved in misery, but had great pleasure with a lad that I loved bodily. Flinging from his arms, I laughed to think his passion such. He fancied that I gave a soul, did but our bodies touch and laughed upon his breast to think. Beast gave beast as much. I gave what other women gave that stepped out of their clothes. 
But when this soul, its body off, naked to naked goes, he it has found shall find therein what none other knows, and give his own and take his own, and rule in his own right, and though it loved in misery, close and cling so tight. There's not a bird of day that dare extinguish that delight. This has been Jennifer Stone. I'll save the rest of my Yeats poems for uh, December the, the Tuesday before Christmas. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Drop the shadow out of sight. Here's another community-powered announcement from KPFA. You are invited to a fun musical benefit for the LGBT Sanctuary Project on December 6th from 5 to 7 p.m. at La Peña Cultural Center in Berkeley. This is a benefit for the LGBT Sanctuary Project, which provides important peer support and community building for LGBT refugees and asylum seekers from Latin America. There will be live music featuring Melanie Damore and friends, as well as a raffle and light snacks on the house. This event is wheelchair accessible. For more information, please call 510-388-4932 or go to lapeña.org. That is L-A-P-E-N-A dot org. And you are listening to 94.1 K.